is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Sound Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're you two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Monday, March 27th, and it is a week, or is it's the, the week after the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight have transpired, and now we are left with the Final Four, which is historic. You saw it in the title. It is the first time that there has been not a one seed, not a two seed, not a three seed in the final four. So we've got one four seed, two five seeds, and a nine seed. And I think this is the first time that uh, an eight, no, a nine seed or more has been in the final four for a pretty long time. So it's exciting. It's it's a very exciting time in March. It, it kind of always is around this time of year, but it's even more exciting this year because we have all these upsets that are happening. We have all these unorthodox teams in the in the final four here um that, that were able to get some good wins in the sweet 16 and the elite eight so that's what we're going to be talking about today we're also going to get into some coaching hires in college basketball as well so today is going to be another full college basketball day we're not going to get into the nfl i think we said that we would we also said that we were going to have an episode on friday but we ended up not being able to do that so we're back here today a week after our last episode and we're going to be doing another co- full college basketball episode today. So the NFL will have to wait until most likely next week. Cause I don't know if we're going to be able to do an episode this weekend, um, but there's going to be, there's a lot to talk about in the NFL. I mean, we haven't mentioned a word. We haven't even mentioned the word football in a very long time in many weeks. And it's the first time that we've done that in a while. So probably since last March madness. So we're going to be giving that to you guys next week, but today do not worry. We're going to have a full review of this past weekend's games in March Madness. And also, like I said, the coaching hires that are most recent among teams that are already out of the tournament or didn't make the tournament in the, in the first place. So Matt is on the other end of the line here. Matt, how are you? Yeah, it, the madness continues to deliver. I mean, I said that at the beginning of our last episode when obviously the round of 30, well, the, the first round, the round of 64 and the round of 32 had already commenced and we had our sweet 16, uh, and, and and we discussed in that episode kind of the almost seeming lack of up of upsets that, that we'd seen so far in the tournament. Uh, obviously, you had Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue. You had Princeton beat Arizona. You had uh, Furman beat UVA. But besides those three, there really weren't any other upsets basically beyond, a, you know, one 11 seed winning over a six seed, which, as we've discussed at length on this podcast, too, that, that's not even that common or that's not that uncommon for an 11 seed to win but right none of the 12 seeds won one 13 seed won none of the 14 seeds won one 15 one 16 so those dominated the storylines but but that was kind of the that was the storyline I feel like was was kind of just those and again those teams deserved it for for the performances they had and and, and the amazing feats of victory that they you know that they accomplished but it's almost right it's almost weird that the first couple rounds here didn't have that many upsets and then as we got into last weekend, this past weekend with the Sweet 16 games and the Elite Eight games, it was like basically every single game, the lower seeded team won, uh, which again, you love to see it, especially if you're a fan of college basketball and you kind of understand the nature of, hey, this is a single elimination tournament. You know, anything can happen. There's a reason why the NBA and the MLB, especially the, M- the NBA, you know, being that it's the professional league of, of, of basketball, they play seven game series in the playoffs because at that point you played an 82 game regular season. You have your, you know, you, you're going through your play. It, it, it wouldn't make sense to have a bracket style tournament, single elimination when 
you know, you want the best team to win. I think that's the draw of March Madness. That's that's what gets everybody into it. I was listening to to a podcast last week um, after the first couple rounds. It was a guy guy named Bomani Jones. Many of you might have heard of him. He used to work for well, he does work for ESPN still. He does a lot of a lot of stuff. And and he's actually, I think his podcast is one of the first uh, I started listening to probably about four, five, six years ago at this point. And, and and he's a huge basketball fan, but not as much a college basketball fan. And kind of prior to March this March Madness, he was like, I didn't even fill out a bracket. I'm not excited. College basketball is just not good. It's not good basketball compared to the NBA. And we can maybe even get into that a little bit, uh, you know, during kind of our analysis here. But but then, you know, his very next episode, you know, the following week was basically him being like, I had a, like, a, you know, a huge epiphany basically being like, that's not the point. Like the point is not to, is not to not fill out a bracket because you don't like the the, the, st- the style of basketball that's being played. The point is not to, you know, purposefully not like the, the NCAA tournament because you don't really know any of the players or you don't really know what teams are good. The point is that it, 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 it's, it is the event. It is the tournament. It's, it's a single aim and elimination bracket. There's 64 teams and then there's one team remaining at the end and that's the draw of it. And so I think that it's, it's been able to kind of capture everybody's hearts in the, in the sense that, this is what the tournament is. And so I hope that for our listeners out there who, I mean, obviously, you know, some people are really into college basketball and that's, you know, we are, uh, but even if you're not, even if you're kind of like, I don't really like watching the games, they're not, you know, it's not great basketball that's being played. And, and there's a very well an argument for that. But again, that's kind of not the point, right? The point is that there are 64 teams entering this thing and literally anybody can win. And as we see with two of the final four representatives, Miami and, and Florida Atlantic, they were basically both beaten in their first game. And here they are in the final four, three games later, after having beaten the other best teams in their respective regions. So again, kind of a long-winded way of saying, I hope that everybody has enjoyed the NCAA tournament uh, thus far. But also, even if you're not a huge fan of college basketball, you don't really need to know all the players. You don't really need to know the records of all the teams. You don't need to know how they fared in the regular season, who won the conference tournament. Okay, so we're back. My laptop just died. Um, you wouldn't believe it. I've had this laptop for like six years. Uh, shout out to it. Well, it was a laptop that I started college with. I still have it here because uh, I moved around so much even after college. So I still have this piece of crap laptop. I unplugged it from, it was at 100% battery. I unplugged it. Me and Hayden started the Zoom meeting. And as basically from the start of the podcast until you heard the cricket noises go off, uh, that was me. That was my laptop dying. Uh, that was how much my battery lasted. So like 10 minutes, like eight minutes of battery. That's, that's, that's what we're on with this laptop at this point. But anyway, the point is what I was trying to make, uh, is that, is that I hope that you realize that the NCAA tournament, or the, you know, March Madness and just kind of everything that we've, we've been going over the past few weeks. It's, it's, it's for the love of the tournament. It's for the love of, of, of what we have in college basketball and, and, and the, the, the event that is March Madness not necessarily the individual player. Well, obviously the individual players are great too. We had some great storylines, Marquise Noel and, and, you know, and, and all these guys, but like it's, it's, you don't have to know what the team's records are. You don't have to know who won the conference tournament. You don't have to know any of this stuff. As long as you just enjoy the, the, the product, like that's really all that matters. And I think that you can still be very compelled by the storylines that happen, the teams that win the teams that we end up with right in the final four, which never, you know, we, we could have never imagined. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's my opening statement, even though it took me like 18 minutes and, and four dead batteries along the way. All right. Well, that's, that's all right, Matt, you know, cause we, we are understanding on this podcast. One thing I do want to mention right before we get into our review of the sweet 16 and then the elite eight, I told Matt that I was getting dinner, but I didn't say where from. And he knows all the restaurants at UVA because he went there for he went here for four years. So I'm going to ask Matt right now, where did I get dinner from? And 
I'm still eating it actually. So where did I get dinner from and what am I still eating from that place? Well, you're probably eating pizza from Benny DeLuca's because that's where I told you to go when we were here. You're shaking your head. So I guess no. not. You just take my advice for once and go get that. But I, I guess you got to tell me but, now. But I, I thought about it, but it's, that's not what it is. So take one other guess. I mean, there's really like very limited options that you can choose from. I'll so. say Roots, which is a very yes. popular. Okay, that was it. Yeah, it's very popular. Basically like a combination of Chipotle and Cava, uh, except like really, really healthy, but like really, really good. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's a staple at UVA. They actually started building out. There's one in Blacksburg now at Tech. Um, there's one actually near where I live in Richmond yeah. too. There's actually one downtown Richmond and on the West end, which is we're closer to the West end. So I was able to start having roots again after I got back from college, which was like the best thing ever. Um, and shout out to also when I lived in Northern Virginia and Fairfax, the closest one, the closest roots to Northern Virginia and Fairfax was like two hours away in Charlottesville. Um, and then basically I, was the apartment complex that I was living in. I like drove around the corner one time and I saw the roots logo in a window and I was like, what? And it turns out that they built a roots like in the apartment complex next to mine. And it's like, out of all of what, no, I mean, Northern Virginia is like bigger than every other like area of Virginia. Um, and I was like, are you kidding me of any place in the entire Northern Virginia area? They built one right next to my apartment complex. And then shout out to me because I moved like two months later before it was actually built. So there you go. Dang, he he missed the grand opening of the Fairfax roots right across from his apartment. Anyway, that was just a little bit of a, a little bit of a fun quiz there, but we are going to get into March Madness right now. So I think the best thing, the, the best way to go about this is probably to go uh, Sweet 16 first. Just talk about those games like briefly overview because there was eight of them. Um, I'm, I think the first, I think it's best to go by day and just talk about the games that we want to on each day. So I get, I'll start with Thursday here and just talk about, well, first of all, we had the handling of UConn over Arkansas, which I don't think really anybody expected. I thought Arkansas actually was going to have a pretty good chance in this game. They typically do well in the tournament. They've made it to the elite eight the past two years. And so I thought maybe since they have experience and since their coach has experience, I forget his name. Um, but since basically their whole team and their coach has experience, I know they've lost a couple of their players in those two years, but I thought they were going to be able to do it. And I thought, I didn't think they were going to be able to beat UConn, but I thought they were actually going to at least be able to stay in the game, make it a close game and kind of, and, and show that they were worthy of being there. I'm not saying that they weren't worthy of being there, but, I think I think UConn's just really good. That's probably what it boils down to here. So that was an interesting game. I didn't really get to watch a lot of these games. Unluckily, again, it's all these games were at night, and or well, most of them were at night. I think I think they all started or no, they started like two. So I think I watched I watched some of the um, Kansas State Michigan State game, and then also some of the UConn Arkansas game. But I I turned off the UConn Arkansas game just because it was a blowout and I didn't want to watch it because at the same time, Kansas state, Michigan state were going into overtime. So I wanted to watch that game and I caught the tail end of that. Uh, that was, that was a thriller and a half. Let me tell you, we haven't, I don't think we've had an overtime game throughout this whole tournament until now, if I'm not mistaking, I may be mistaking and forgetting one game, but I'm looking at Matt here. He's not giving me any signals, but I think this was the first, overtime game we've had this whole entire tournament which is interesting because it, it usually happens that there's at least one in the first round or one in the second round that goes into overtime and it's you know they run the score up to almost 100 points or over 100 points or whatever this game was 98 to 93 this kansas state michigan state game and yeah it was just it was just an actual absolute barn burner 
Kansas State ended up winning, and it, it was good for them until they met FAU in the Elite Eight, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Tennessee, FAU, I – okay. This is the thing about Tennessee, and I, I hate to come on this podcast and act like – and say, oh, I knew it. I knew that FAU was going to win. No, I thought Tennessee was going to win because I hadn't seen FAU play a lot this season. I knew that they were good. But they're in the CUSA. Like they, they just don't, they don't scream Final Four to me. I don't think they screamed Final Four to anybody. So I, I was going into this game thinking, okay, Tennessee's going to win. But I was also going into this game thinking, okay, Tennessee was also one of those fraudulent final or fra- fraudulent four seeds that I pointed out before the tournament even started. I was super surprised when Tennessee beat Duke in the round of 32. And I was, I think more surprised at how many turnovers Duke committed and that's why they lost. And that's, we saw that on Thursday with FAU beating Tennessee, Tennessee just can't really, they can't score points. They, they scored what? 55 points. Uh, they scored 65 against Duke, but then they scored 58 against UL Lafayette. Like they don't, they can't score points. And the only reason that they were able to score points against Duke is because they had turnovers and they had transition points off of turnovers. So I, I think that we, really missed a chance to see Duke go far again. I don't want to harp on this any longer. I had them in my final four, so I'm a little bit salty still, but I think Duke probably would have rolled over both Tennessee and FAU if they were able to keep themselves out of turnover trouble and they weren't Tennessee moved on to the sweet 16 and then got beat by seven points by FAU, who again is from the CUSA and just nobody expected to go far. Um, FAU's done a great job and obviously they were able to beat Kansas state too. So kudos to them. But I just, I just think FAU over Tennessee over Tennessee was just a product of this region being super, super bad and Tennessee just not deserving a four seed and Tennessee not being a really good team that, that, that is, that is good in the tournament. That's able to win the tournament. So that's my kind of my overview of that game. Um, and then Gonzaga UCLA, I mean, this game, this is another game that just should not have gone Gonzaga's way. UCLA, I think, was up by 15 at halftime or something like that. Or no, they were up by 13 at halftime, I believe. And then they got outscored by 16 points in the second half, and they ended up losing 79 to 76 to Gonzaga, lost by three points. Uh, Drew Timmy, I looked at the score of this game, and it was I think it was like 58 to 52. Gonzaga was up in the second half with 10 minutes left to go. And um, Mr. Drew Timmy had 33 points with 10 minutes left to go in the game. He ended up he ended with 36 and I think 13 rebounds. So he only scored three points in the last 10 minutes. He definitely could have dropped 40, which would have been crazy. Uh, we saw K- Caitlin Clark, shout out Caitlin Clark, player for Iowa in the women's tournament, who uh, got the first ever triple-double or 40-point triple-double in men's or women's tournament history. Uh, I think it was last night or something like that. Or Yeah, I, th- I think it was last night. So shout out to her. That was, that, that was awesome to see that. But... Yeah, I mean, Drew Timmy went off in that game against UCLA. UCLA just dropped the ball. They, I think in the second half, they went 11 straight minutes at one point without scoring a point, which has to be one of the longest droughts in basketball history without scoring. Um, And so if you think about it, I mean, they only lost by three. If they would have made two baskets in that 11 minutes, they would have won the game. But it, I'm going to stop harping on this game. I, I picked UCLA to go to the Elite Eight along with UConn, so... I'm a little bit salty that I didn't get that elite eight region, right? I would have been pretty proud of myself if I did. Um, but I did have UConn beating Arkansas and also beating Gonzaga. So I guess I'm, that's really the only thing that I'm happy about here from, from this bottom part of the bracket. But Matt, how do you feel about these sweet 16 games on the bottom part of the bracket that happened on Thursday? What did, what did you see? What did you see that maybe I didn't see? Um, just what are your thoughts? 
I mean, I think you did a pretty good job of, of, of summarizing them. Um, again, it, it almost, it's funny because it feels like that happened forever ago, even though it was only like yeah. three or four days ago um, because so much other basketball has transpired since then. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything. I think that looking back, obviously Florida Atlantic is now in the final four. So looking back, you think, okay, yeah, like they can be the Tennessee team uh, that has, that has really just looked so inconsistent for the better part of, you know, the whole year. Um, and, and, and again, we, we said going into March Madness, we said that, Hey, Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They can wear you down. They're going to be very physical and and they can manhandle you, which is what they did Duke, right. A team that is a little bit younger, not as experienced and not as, not as physically imposing as so a Tennessee got the easy win over them. But then, you know, when it comes to, okay, well, now you're facing a team that has a little bit more depth in Florida Atlantic and a team that's going to want to score and, and, and is able to score well, you're going to have to keep up scoring with them. And, and Tennessee wasn't able to do so. And that was, I mean, that was, I said it however many times on the podcast, like they just, you can't rely on them to score. Uh, and, and so that's kind of ultimately what did the men. Um, yeah, obviously Kansas state Mark or Kansas state versus Michigan state was, was an all timer. Hayden's right. It's the only overtime game that we've even had so far in the tournament, probably some sort of record for, I mean, we've played probably played like a hundred games at this point and, and only one of them gone into overtime. Um, and I think if I would have chosen one to go into overtime, probably would have been that one uh, just because of how back and forth it was the entire time. Obviously Marquise Noel comes out of that game as, as kind of being the, you know, the star of of that region um you know he he's a he was a new york city kid he was born and raised in harlem and um went to arkansas little rock and and spent two years there transferred to kansas state and now he's you know now he's the 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 talk of the tournament uh and and he kind of won that game you know so so that was definitely uh a great performance by him and then yeah i mean on the other side obviously UConn, Arkansas. I picked this in my bracket. I picked Arkansas to beat Kansas. I picked UConn uh, to play Arkansas in the Sweet 16. I picked UConn to win. I didn't think it was going to be, and Hayden said the same thing. I didn't think it was going to be this big of a victory for UConn. Obviously, now we're looking at it also in hindsight, and UConn's in the Final Four, and their average margin of victory in the four games they've played so far is 22 and a half points. All right, so looking back, you're like, yeah, of course, UConn won that game by, you know, by, by 20, whatever points, or I think, I think it was like 15 by the end of the game or whatever, but, uh, but Arkansas was never in the game. And, and and that was kind of the reason why I did pick the reason I picked Arkansas over Kansas was a, obviously Bill self, which is Kansas's, you know, Kansas's led uh, he's a legend, you know, head coaching wise, Uh, he didn't coach the game. And then Arkansas had has basically has three lottery picks on their starting rotation, two top, two potential top 10 picks in Nick Smith jr. uh, And, uh, and Anthony black there. So, I was like, okay, you know, Arkansas has the better athletes. They can come at you and, and they can beat Kansas. But when it comes to this UConn team that has size and 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 shooting and, and really everything that you look for in a team that can make a run in March, they're not going to be able to do it. So so I correctly picked UConn in that matchup. And then I also had UCLA beating Gonzaga as Hayden went over. That was kind of just a heartbreaking loss. I, I went to bed early that night. I went to I watched the... I was already like the light was off. I was ready to kind of go to bed. I was like, all right, well, I'll just finish the first half of this game. And I see UCLA go up by 13 and I'm like, all right, I think we're sitting pretty. And then I wake up to my dreams being crushed. Um, so thankfully I had UConn in the final four while we both did hate me and Hayden both had UConn in the final four. So shout out to us for that. Uh, but, uh, but obviously had UCLA winning that game. So didn't get the region perfect. Um, but you know, it, it was still, I think, 
they were great games though. Right. And that's what, well, aside from, you know, kind of the, the Arkansas UConn game um, pretty much every other game was at least competitive on, on, at least on that half of the bracket. So, yeah. So I guess going to the top again, I'm not going to spend kind of too much time on this. Obviously um, San Diego state beats Alabama. That was a crazy game. Um, it was just, it was just interesting. Cause you're like, it's such a, it's such a, a mix of styles. Like Alabama's like shoot the ball, get layups, shoot three pointers. Like, fast, fast, fast offense. And San Diego state is the most defensively minded team uh, probably in the entire tournament. And Hey, San Diego state's version worked better. Um, I think that you had Nate Oates as the coach for Alabama. And he's, he's, you know, one of those like kind of analytic guys where it's like, right. You want to, you want to focus on getting layups and shooting three pointers because those are the most high percentage types of shots. And, and they will over the course of time, get you more points per, you know, points on average. Now, again, the key there is that over, over the course of time, you'll get more points. Now that works well. when We're talking about an 82 game regular season and, or a best of seven series in the playoffs. However, March Madness and college basketball as a whole is neither of those. It's a 30-game regular season, and then it's a single elimination tournament of 64 teams. So that kind of style of basketball doesn't really work uh, when you, when you kind of get to this level of being in the Sweet 16, where you're going to be playing another team that's already won two games uh, in the tournament so far. So I didn't really like the coaching decisions by Nate Oates on behalf of Alabama. That was, I mean, they were the number one overall seed. That was kind of everybody's pick to win it. Well, not everybody's pick to win it all, but they were the overwhelming favorite because they were the number one overall seed. And it was a little bit surprising that they went down. I mean, they were up by nine in the second half and then San Diego state just goes on a big run and, and Alabama just couldn't really keep up. Uh, so obviously a surprising result, I think to obviously have kind of that number one seed uh, be eliminated there. And then the other game on that side of the bracket uh, was it was Creighton Princeton. Obviously, I mean, Creighton was favored by 10 points. They won by 11. They were pretty much cruising the entire time. I picked Creighton to go to the Elite Eight in my bracket. I picked them to beat Arizona. Uh, kind of got lucky that they ended up playing Princeton instead. Uh, so I got the I got the dub on that. But uh, but obviously, pretty much expected uh, expected Creighton to win that game. Kind of fully full the way through. Uh, Miami beat Houston, and I mean, obviously, we're talking about Miami a little bit more too because they're also in the Final Four. So um, they pretty much ran through the two hardest opponents or the two most favorite teams in, in this kind of, in this region here. Um, it was, it was interesting to watch this game because it just seemed like Houston, like they kind of got down early and didn't really have much fight. They didn't have, it didn't seem like they kind of wanted to really, I don't know. It, it kind of seemed like they packed it up. They were like, all right, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're getting beat. So I think that's kind of it boys. And you know, let's go on home. Obviously they didn't actually think that they wanted to win the game because the goal is to win the championship, but it just didn't seem like they they really had a lot of you know oomph to kind of get them over the edge and 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 really start competing in this game. So yeah, I mean kudos to Miami for 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 taking that game. And then obviously at uh, Texas and Xavier, similar to the Arkansas UConn game, it wasn't really a game. Texas was winning by seventeen at halftime. They won the game I think by twelve or thirteen points. So it was it was very much a uh, very much a classic kind of blowout by 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 Texas there um despite not having Dylan DeSue, who was kind of their star player he had 28 points in their in their win over Penn State to send them to the sweet 16 they didn't even have him in this game and clearly enough they didn't they didn't need him um they got a really easy win uh, over Xavier so Hayden if you have any thoughts on those other four games on the top side of the bracket then we can move on to the elite eight games yeah i think what you said about the Houston Miami game and with Houston kind of just fizzling out not really having the oomph to, to create a comeback. I think it was interesting because Houston isn't that kind of team. I feel like we see Houston is one of those is usually one of those teams that never lets up 
they're always able to come back from from a deficit. We saw in the Auburn game, the Houston Auburn game in the round of 32, where Houston ended up winning by 17 points. Uh, Houston was down by 10 at half to Auburn in that game. And I think they came out in the second half and went on like a 30 to 10 run. So they were up basically up by 20 points. No, they were up by 10 points uh, within like five minutes of the first, or not five minutes, but I think it was like within the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the second half of that Auburn game. Uh, yeah, they were, they were up by 10 and they had come back from that 10 point deficit and then put on another 10 point lead onto, onto Auburn. They were able to win that game by 17. And then it, it Miami did kind of the same thing to them. Uh, I think Miami was up by eight or nine, maybe at halftime. It was like in the seven, nine range. I think it, I can't remember exactly what it was. Miami was up over Houston and I thought, and I was thinking the same thing. I was like, okay, we saw it against Auburn. We're going to see it against again, again against Miami. They're going to come back. Miami's a better offensive team, but their defense sucks. Matt was, uh, I'll give credit to Matt for this. He was talking to my mom and I yesterday because I was, I was actually back in Richmond watching these games. And he said to my mom and I, Miami has the 104th ranked defense in, in terms of like defense, I guess, total defense or defensive efficiency in all of division one basketball, which means they are basically at like the bottom part of the top third of, of division one basketball. And they're an ACC team. Like they are past the hundredth in defensive ranking and they're an ACC team. They should be at, they should be at least up in like the, at least the 50. Right. But um, and especially if they're this, you know, if they're this far in the tournament, if they've been to this point in past tournaments, which they have been, it's it's just really weird to see a team like this just absolutely beat up on a team like Houston, who, right, is the most athletic team in the country, in my opinion, and has a lot of playmakers on offense. They just weren't able, weren't really able to get it done against uh, Miami, especially when Miami was just scoring constantly and constantly and just... Yeah, they played a great game against Houston. Um, I I can't really ding them for that. Can't really ding Houston either. I guess they just weren't really able to get that that extra firepower that they were against Auburn. And then the only other game that I really cared about in this slate of of Sweet Sixteen games was the Alabama um, San Diego State game. I th- I had Alabama in my Elite Eight. I had a, Alabama in my championship game actually. So I was pretty bummed about this. But also, so did everybody else, and so it didn't really. I don't think it really would have mattered. Actually, it wouldn't have mattered even if Alabama made it to the Final Four. I still would not be in the running to win my pools. I don't think so. Didn't really matter that much. But I, I, I was a little bit surprised by how San Diego State was able to defend Alabama. Like Matt said, Alabama is very much a score now, score fast team. We don't care what you're going to do on defense. We're just going to run by you and and you know dish inside inside the paint and score points down low. And then we're going to shoot the three ball when we have the chance. But they weren't able to do that 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 very well against San Diego State, and that just shows how good San Diego State's defense is. They, I mean, they came into the tournament with one of the top defenses in the country. I think in terms of like efficiency or something like that. I think they were the top defense in the country, and they're showing it. So they're still alive in this tournament, which is crazy to think about. We'll talk about more about the San Diego state Creighton game in our lead eight talk. But um, that's kind of the two games that I wanted to go over in the sweet 16. Matt covered the Texas Xavier and Creighton Princeton games pretty well. So I won't even, won't even touch on those, but Matt, I, I will hand it over to you to uh, start talking about whichever elite I'm going to leave it up to you. We don't, we don't have to go down to the bottom of the bracket. Okay. We don't have to go back down. We can, we can talk about San Diego state and Creighton or uh, Houston. I mean, Miami and Texas, if you want, it's up to you. I'm going to go Florida Atlantic, Kansas State. 
Uh, that oh. was, I think that was the first game of the Elite Eight. So I'll kind of go, I guess, in chronological order. Uh, but I think that two, it's almost, and and again, you know, we, with, with Florida Atlantic being in the final four, nobody picked them to be in the final four. Nobody thought they'd be here, right? Um, but but I think that they they're a real team. They're a good team. And again, like Hayden said, we you know we were actually we were watching this game together before the game started. I told him I was like, dude, I think Florida Atlanta's going to win. Uh, mostly because as I pointed out with the Tennessee Duke game, it was another one of those betting situations where Vegas hang, hung the number. They opened it at like Kansas State minus two, and you're like, dude, what? Kansas State should be favored by like five points or six points. Uh, over Florida Atlantic and then uh, all the money all the bets came in on Kansas State and the number didn't move and that's when you know that the other team is going to win <laughs> uh, so that was kind of mainly why I was like yeah Florida Atlantic is probably going to win just because of the Vegas stuff here uh, but but seriously like they you know they, they, they just the rotations they have their deep team they shoot three well I told Hayden too another stat coming in this game uh, they had gotten to the elite eight without shooting above 30% from three in any of their previous three games to get to that point. It's the first time that's happened in NCAA history or, you know, tournament history, uh, despite the fact that they were shooting the three, I think 38%, basically 40% on the year. So that was really surprising to me. I was like, okay, well, this has to regress at some point. They're going to start making threes. Here's the craziest stat though. Kansas state made more threes than Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic had 22 turnovers in this game and they still won the game. So it just show it just goes to show that like you know if your game plan is good enough you can that regression and you know all the statistics and the stuff that people like to bring up with the analytics and stuff that doesn't really end up kind of mattering as much and I think that the, the biggest game plan that Florida Atlantic implemented for this game was hey who's Kansas State Kansas State's best player it's Marquise Noel they have some great other players Keontae Johnson Dylan, I get. I don't know the the guy's first name. Masood, uh, he's a great three point shooter for them, or, and has been the whole tournament. So they have some great players. But Marquise Noel is he? He's the star. Everybody's been talking about him. You know, he he's the story of the tournament so far. He's been carrying his team to victory. And Florida Atlantic was like, all right, cool. So if he's your guy, then we're gonna take away literally everything else and make him beat us by himself. Because if you remember. Sure, you know, he he's had some great games. He had, you know, 20 points or more, I think, in, in all the games so far. But he broke the NCAA tournament record for assists. He had 19 assists in that game against Michigan State. He 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 had 13 assists in this game against Florida Atlantic. So he's a he mainly is a distributor. So he provides for his teammates. Now, obviously, he's wet from three and he can pull up from the logo and and, and bang it, right? But at the same time, his value and really any point guard is, is by distributing the ball to your teammates, providing a situation for your teammates to be able to create a shot or setting your teammates up for a shot, you know, an open shot or a layup or whatever it may be. So what Florida Atlantic did was they're like, all right, cool. We're going to literally guard everybody else on your team so that Marquise Noel cannot distribute the ball to his teammates and get all those assists that he didn't racking up. And we're going to make him, make him beat us, uh, you know, himself. And, and sure, he made those logo threes and he, you know, was kind of carrying the team at one point. But there were also a lot of shots in that game where Marquise Noel kind of, he just kind of, it, it, the shot was rushed or it was a bad shot or it was, you know, it, he got blocked a couple of times. So it, it kind of came down to the wire and it became a game of like, hey, if you are the best player on your team, and he is, right, but his main contribution has been distributing the ball, not necessarily scoring 50 points a game. So when Florida Atlantic put him in a position where he had to score 50 in order for his team to win, well, not 50, but, you know, more than he did, I guess, you know, 30 points or whatever would have been fine, but still he wasn't able to do so. And and, and I think that that was very reflective at just in, in me watching the game was like, why, why didn't anybody else think of this? Right. I mean, he, you know, Kansas state played 
John Calipari and, and, and Kentucky, they played Tom Izzo in Michigan State. These, these, you know, Hall of Fame head coaches in these blue blood programs who kind of weren't able to figure out how to stop this guy. And then when Florida Atlantic comes to town, they're like, hey, let's just watch the film. What happens on the film? He, he, well, I mean, he, he makes a lot of threes himself, but he gets the ball to his teammates and they do all the work. They do all the scoring. If we take away the teammates, we only leave him. He has to do everything. And he did as much as he could do. It just wasn't enough to get them over the top. So I really loved the game plan by Florida Atlantic. I think they did a great job of just identifying the biggest potential weakness for Kansas state, uh, which is funny because Kansas state's biggest advantage is Marquise Noel, but their biggest weakness is, only having one person in Marquise Noel being able to do kind of everything for them. So, um, so I, and I think they deserve it. Florida Atlantic did. I think that, you know, obviously as Hayden said, you know, they're, they play in the conference USA, um, but this is a team in Florida Atlantic too. And this is kind of the, the, the one other thing I wanted to mention here where they, they've been ranked most of the year. They, I think they started out 22 and one. Um, they ended the season, I think tw- 30 or 20. So I don't know. Well, cause they won. The, so they won the regular season, in the conference USA. They also won the conference USA tournament. So I think the end of the season, 31 and three, uh, they're now 35 and three or something like that. So the end of the tournament being tied for the most wins in, in all of college basketball, I think with Houston um, and, and maybe Charleston, I think too, but, uh, but either way, it, it like, this team won a lot of games in the regular season. So it's one of those things where, and I kind of might even get to this in a summary too, but it's like they would have made the tournament as an, as an at-large bid anyway, if they hadn't won their conference tournament and they could have made a deep run anyway. So I think that you kind of think of Florida Atlantic as, Oh yeah, you know, they won the conference USA. Yeah. They had a lot of wins and okay, here they are in the tournament. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay. They're an eight seed and, or they're a nine seed and, and they're playing a tough Memphis team in their first game. All right, cool. But, realistically like Florida Atlantic should have been probably a five or a six seed like now thinking back on it and obviously right they're in the final four so I wouldn't be saying this if they lost their first game to Memphis which they actually should have lost their first game to Memphis but either way this was a really great team all year and I think that I I don't want it to be undersold by the fact that it looks like a Cinderella run when realistically they could win the national championship so that's kind of the flowers that I want to give to Florida Atlantic here of, of like yeah, they're here in the final four as a nine seed. It doesn't happen very much, but in my view, they're a, they're not your typical nine seed and B usually your Cinderella's, you know, your Loyola Chicago's, your George Mason's, your, your VCU's, uh, you know, that type of thing. Like usually they can't, you don't think of them as a team that can win the national championship once they get to the final four, because they're playing the other best teams that have made that far. But Florida Atlantic a team that I would not be surprised if they did win the whole thing. So at least that is out there now. And hopefully you kind of get a little bit of bigger picture understanding of like, this team is, is really legit. They didn't just get lucky in winning four games to get here. They did get a little bit lucky in their draw. Obviously, like I said, they probably should have lost to Memphis in the first game to begin with. They then played fairly Dickinson, you know? So it's kind of like you get lucky in a game against Memphis and you beat fairly Dickinson. Now you're in the sweet 16. Okay. What do you got now? Tennessee, the team that can't score. And then Kansas state, they're only, I think kind of in many people's thoughts like kind of the the best competition they'd faced so far but they handled them and they were winning you know a lot of that game so uh so Florida Atlantic's a real team and and I love that they were able to capitalize on the position that they were put in take advantage of you know the situation that they were the bracket kind of broke their way and here they are in the final four I think they could legitimately contend for the national championship already I'm going to talk about San Diego State Creighton which if you're watching this game this was probably one of the best games of the tournament uh there wasn't a lot of scoring so the the final score was actually 57 56 San Diego State won, and yes, it was only by one point, and it, it's a little bit of a weird finish, which I'll go over in a little bit. But just to kind of give the game summary of this game, it was back and forth. I mean, it was score after it was basically like 
whichever team scored on a possession, the other team would score next. And then both teams would get like two stops and they would score again. And then the other team would score again. Consecutively. Like it was just, it was whenever one team scored, the other team would score too. It didn't stay like that the whole game. Obviously it wasn't a difference of two or three points every, all game, but I think maybe the highest deficit in this game was like five, six points, maybe something like that. And it ended up to be, I mean, in the last five minutes or so it was, it was, I think the highest deficit was like two. So it was very back and forth in the last five minutes. Um, the last minute of the game took absolutely forever. Actually, the last six seconds of the game took probably even more time than than did like the rest of the second half. It was it was actually insane. Actually, Matt, Matt and his wife, Maureen, were uh, they pulled up in the driveway. They wanted me to help them move some stuff out of their car. And it was actually right at the end of this game, at the tail end of this game yesterday. And I was watching it and I was like, Hold on, I, this game is about to end. There's six seconds left. Uh, one guy just got fouled, and he's going to the free throw line. And then it was like, oh wait, no, it, oh no, it was it was an out of bounds call, and it was like, okay, yeah, this is there's only six seconds, six seconds left. There's probably one more play, whatever. And then there was like, oh no, this guy got fouled with 1.2 seconds left. Now we got to review how much time is left on the clock, as well as reviewing whether the guy was fouled or not, which I don't think they even did because I don't think they can do that even below two minutes. It was like, it was actually the most confusing and outlandish finish to a game. I think I've seen in a, in a long while, but uh, it was entertaining to say the least. So that brings me to the end of this game, which I think is probably what everybody's interested in, which is uh, it was 56, 56 with probably about 30 seconds left to go. I don't really know the exact timing of it. Um, but I'm pretty sure there was like an out of bounds call with uh, with six seconds left. It was like 6.7 sec- seconds left on the clock. There was an out of bounds call that was a little bit controversial. Nobody really knew who it was out on. It ended up being out on Creighton. So San Diego State got the ball with 6.7 seconds left. I think in their like in Creighton's territory, like on Creighton's half of the court. So they had they had plenty of time to work with six seconds and you're already on their side of the court. They had plenty of time. um, And then, so they passed it into one of their guards and he kind of like sizes up the defender a little bit. Then he he drives with his left hand and he goes up for kind of like a little floater. And um, Ryan, Ryan Nemhard, who used to play for Gonzaga, who transferred to Creighton and is one of their best player has been one of their best players this year. All right. I'm going to step in here. It's it. I thought it was the same guy too. It's actually his younger brother, Andrew no Nemhard played for. Yeah, it was Andrew Nemhard. He played for Gonzaga in the year that they made the title run and lost to Baylor. Um, and actually, I think he was on their team last year too. He's actually in the NBA now. I don't know if he's in like actually on a on a roster or the or the G League or whatever. But this is his younger brother Ryan, who's who's been to, committed to Creighton the whole time. But yeah, I was extremely confused. I only know that because I heard on another podcast where they were like. You it, it were like his older brother played for Gonzaga. I was like, wait, this guy played for Gonzaga, and then I was like, oh, it's actually two different people. So yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's crazy because they look exactly alike too. Yeah, like I, th- yeah, for sure. Yeah. Looking at them, <laughs> I honestly thought it was the same guy. But okay, so yeah, Ryan Nemhard, younger brother of Andrew Nemhard, um, who's played for Gonzaga, he went up for he he was the guy that was defending the the the, the San Diego State guard who went up with. Uh, the little floater at the last second, he ended up fouling. So like while the San Diego State guy was in the air, he didn't do really do anything to his arm, but he kind of pushed the San Diego State guy while he was in the air. The guy fell. He maybe a little bit of a selling job, but I don't really think he sold it that much. He, he didn't seem to flop that much. It seemed like he actually got pushed and fell over because of it. He was really high up in the air. So that's probably why, but um, it didn't look like that hard of a push from 
Nemhard, but they had to call it because in that situation, you have to call that kind of thing and then go review it. I'm not sure if they reviewed the fact it was, it was confusing because it was like they were trying to figure out how many seconds to put left to that were left on the clock when the foul actually happened, which ended up being 1.2. The ball, like the, the buzzer ended up going off before the ball went in, into the hoop. So they had to review it to see how many seconds were left on the clock when the foul happened. And then I think they also reviewed whether it was a foul or not. I heard the commentator say something like you have to call this kind of foul or you have to call a foul in this situation this late in the game because it's reviewable. And so then you can kind of see if you actually fouled him or not. So they ended up upholding the call. Um, San Diego state guy got two free throws. He missed the first one. Usually what they tell you to do in this situation is make the first one, right? So you go up by one. Cause again, it's tied at 56. So if you make the first one, go up by one 57, 56, you can miss the second one. And there's only 1.2 seconds left on the clock, miss it on purpose. And you force Creighton to basically get a rebound and then, after getting a rebound within one second, heave it down the court for a full court shot and make that. So using that situation, right. You want to miss one, but you want to miss the second one. So this, this guy missed the first one and it's like, Oh shoot. (laughs) If I miss this one, it's still tied and we're probably going into overtime. So, or I give Creighton a chance to go down and score in one second, which ended up not happening. He ended up making the second one Creighton pass it down the court. Like, heaved it down the court with uh, this guy that I'm going to quick mention before I stop yapping and we can get into the next thing. Um, but yeah, Creighton heaved it down the court. It got tipped out of bounds that added another like 10 minutes onto the game. Cause they were trying to figure out who it went out on and whether the game was over. And after 10 minutes of reviewing it, the, the ref just like looks over at the scorekeepers and he waves his hands, like saying basically it's done. Like the, there's no contest anymore. And then everybody goes crazy on the San Diego state sideline and, yeah, it was it was very controversial to say the least. Um, but I don't think that people were kind of I don't think that people were complaining about it much because again, there was so much that happened in the last six seconds. It's like you can't really you, you can't attribute it to one little thing happening at the end of the game. Um, the foul, I think people kind of agree that it was clearly a foul. Again, it didn't look like that much of a foul, but in that situation, you need to call it because it does it, it's the last it's the last shot of the game. And he if he was impeded from shooting the ball in any way, then you, you have to call that kind of thing. Last thing I will mention is the guy who heaves it down the court uh, to try to give Creighton a chance to score with 1.2 seconds left. So his name is Baylor Shireman. He's, he's number 55 for Creighton. So here we go. This guy's from Nebraska. Okay. He's white, white dude on Creighton. Not, not that uncommon, <laughs> actually very common. Uh, he wears number 55. He's a guard. He's like, he's like six, seven or something like that. He's a guard. He wears number 55 and he wears a headband and an arm sleeve. Like, dude, why? Like you are the prototypical uh, Creighton player, Creighton guard who just shoots threes and doesn't do anything else. But uh, yeah, shout out to him. Apparently he played quarterback in high school. So that's why he was the one that they chose to throw down, throw the ball down the court um, in their unsuccessful attempt to come back on, uh, on, San Diego State, but uh, yeah, that's that, that's my spiel. I know it was kind of long winded, but that's my take on the game. It was just I I kind of just wanted to tell a story rather than just give my take on it because it was a great game. I mean, it could have gone either way the whole entire game. So that's how that's how it went. Yeah, and and I saw a lot of people after the fact. I mean, obviously it was a controversial call, right? You know, if you're the ref, do you call? Because again. As we've said, San Diego State is a very defensive-minded team. This was a rock fight, right? There wasn't much scoring, as Hayden mentioned as well. And in those types of games, 
there's a lot of pushing and pulling. There's a lot of, you know, physical activity going on. And it's one of those things where, okay, you know, if you're the ref, you want to call that all game long and and they weren't calling that all game long. And so it's kind of like, you got to be consistent, right? So if, if that a foul occurs at the end of the game versus if that foul occurs with 18 minutes left in the second half, like, are you going to call them both times? Are you just going to call it right at the end? So there creates some drama. I don't know. Either way, it, it was what it was. It was, a, it was a foul by the letter of the law. Like he grabbed his hip, he pushed him. It was a foul. And, and that was the funny thing for me is looking back on this and seeing on Twitter, everybody's like, yeah, well, that was a foul, but Creighton still should have won. And it's like, okay, you, you said it was a foul. So San Diego State deserves two free throws. They were in the double bonus. They make one of them. Game's over. Like, sorry. You know, it, it, it's a foul. It is what it is. The ref, you know, could have called it differently all game long, but it's like, you, you're going to start your argument with, yeah, I know it's a foul, but, and then it's like, okay, so yeah, if you admit that, then yes, you admit that the game was over. Like, it is what it is. So, yeah. Um, Houston, Miami, really quick, or sorry, Texas, Miami. This is where my national champion goes down. I had Texas winning it all. I made it as far as anyone because Texas was one of the only teams left basically that, that could have been possible to be picked from the beginning. Um, so very sad to see my bracket go down, especially in such dramatic fashion too. Like Texas was basically, I mean, they were, they were winning the whole game. They were up by double digits with I think 12 minutes later by 13 points with 12 minutes left. And they end up losing the game by seven. Um, they got out, outscored 37 to 17 since that point. This game was just, it was kind of crazy. I mean, again, you know, you expect it to be higher scoring. Both these teams love, love to play offense. As Hayden mentioned, Miami was, is, has been terrible on defense the entire year. Um, and <laughs> the, ever since the, well, every tournament game ever since the Drake game, which again, Miami and Florida and Florida Atlantic basically were gifted wins uh, in their first round games in their first round games, which is four games ago, they wouldn't even be here and here they're on the final four. So that goes to show just the, you know, the sliding doors moments that occur in these types of tournaments. But yeah, I mean, Miami and, and it's classic, you know, March in March, you want to be on a good run and you want to have good guard play. And that's all that Miami has. And it's so cool to watch them play because it's almost like I, I was listening to another podcast. Shout out the Mark Titus podcast. Mark Mark Titus podcast. Uh, I think he's with Barcelona now, but he was used to be with, with Fox Sports. But anyway, I was listening to his podcast and he put it, I think, pretty perfectly in saying basically like this Miami team is basically like they're just they're just playing a very high stakes version of a pickup game. Like their entire team is just like, all right, like we'll go out there and just score the basketball. Like we'll just pass around a couple of times. Like, oh, you guys, you guys want to play? Cool. Yeah. Jump on the court with us. Like, oh, we're down by 12 at halftime. Oh, I guess we should actually start trying now. And then, all right, just make, make all of our shots. And yeah, just, just a, just a very interesting vibe that this Miami team has. And it's backed up by their coach, Jim Laranega, who's like this 73 year old guy. Who's just like a grandfather. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, got to play some defense and all right, cool. And it's just like, I would love to be on like on this Miami team, just like on this run. Um, But, but Hey, I mean, they made it to the elite last year as a 10 seed. Uh, So, you know, and they brought pretty much everyone back. They had a transfer in Nigel pack. So one of their best guards, Nigel pack is from Kansas state, another team who made the elite eight and and, and had a shot to make the final four. So that only bolstered, you know, their, their lineup here. Uh, And and I, so I think that, right. It was just, it was a surprising comeback, but that's kind of what they've been doing um all all season uh they won the ACC like I think that kind of goes a little bit unnoticed here too is the fact that same with Florida Atlantic like you know Florida Atlantic they lost they were 32 and 3 coming into the tournament 
they won conference USA regular season. They won the conference tournament. Uh, Miami was, was had a great record. They were good all year. They had some, you know, a, a couple bad losses, but they were the one seed in the ACC tournament. They lost early and they lost to Duke. Duke won the ACC. Guess where they were. They didn't even make it to the sweet 16 and here Miami is in the final four. Right. So another one of those, like, you know, March madness commandments. Don't, don't win your basically don't win your conference tournament because you're going to get burned out too fast and not be able to make it far in March madness. But yeah, I mean, Miami has been playing well all year. They deserve to be here. I think that they were a little bit underseated as a five seed anyway. They probably should have been higher uh, simply because of, you know, as we're seeing now, their guard play and they're just, they're just so good at, at you know, being able to make shots. Um, they shot 64% in the first half and they were down by seven at halftime. That, that goes to show just the craziness of the, the, the vibes of this game. Uh, but the big storyline is, and, and again, the refs and whatever. I mean, we had the Creighton situation in Creighton, San Diego State. I think the refs were given the whistle a little bit to Texas in the first half and then kind of switched to Miami in the second half. It was a little weird, but either way, Miami outscored Texas in free throws, 28 to 11. Miami shot 88% of their free throws. They made 28 out of the 32 free throws. And it's like, if you're going to, if that's going to be the case, like you're probably going to win a game like this, you know? Um, so, so definitely, you know, right. They, they made the shots when they had to, they made the free throws when they had to. And that's how you win basketball games as much as it is just kind of like, they seem like they're just out here at your local pickup spot at a park being like, Hey guys want to run? <laughs> then here they are running to the final four, you know? So, so obviously kudos to the Miami team and, and uh, tears, tears from my bracket, which, uh, which, which lost Texas as the, as a national champion. I don't know if Texas would have been able to get back to UConn anyway. So I probably that dream probably would have ended at some point. Um, I did win my bracket pool. So shout out to me for that. Um, great call on Creighton to the front, to the elite eight. Uh, UConn to the final four, Hayden also had UConn in the final four. Um, but yeah, so, so great. Oh no, all around. We, we, you know, we, I think it was a successful tournament, uh, you know, from that perspective. Um, and Hayden just missed out on the money for our bracket pool tournament too. So he did well, yeah. uh, near the end there, but, uh, but yeah, I think that that rounds out the games, I guess we talked for like an hour about the games and have a lot more topics to get to, but you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's right. And also on the topic of Miami playing pickup basketball, I feel like Isaiah Wong, he's he's like the most indicative of this of this dynamic because he just goes down there. He'll like he'll take it himself. He'll just ISO. He'll like do a couple through the legs. He'll drive and then do some kind of like weird step back where he's shooting off balance and he'll just swish it. And then like going back down the court, the, the camera will zoom in on him and he just he, he looks like he's like got a little smile on, but it's almost like a smile like. I don't know how I just did that, but but it's just, he does it every time. I mean, he's, he's a great player and he has been like, he's probably one of the most productive players in the tournament over the past two or three years. I would say he's, he's probably been, he's probably scored some of the most points out of any player in the past couple of tournaments, including this one. Like he's just, he's an incredible player all around. So no, uh, I think, yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's almost like where Texas is this, you know, really deep big 12 team. Like they play as a team, they pass the ball a lot on offense and then like they're great on defense, but it's like, when you're on defense, and you're playing against Miami. It's like Miami almost doesn't, it's like, it's like one of those, like that poker thing where it's like, if you're playing against a professional poker player, like they're going to read your, your face to determine like what cards you have and stuff. And it's like, if you don't know enough about poker to be able to show a poker face, the good poker players aren't going to be able to tell like what you're showing or not, because you don't know what you don't know. And this, that's like, it's like what this Miami team is it's like, Texas is like, all right, we got to strategize how we're going to play defense here. And Miami's like, we don't even really know what we're going to do on offense. We just kind of make it work. And so Texas is like outsmarting themselves. Miami's like, dude, don't think that hard. Like we're just gonna make some shots. It's, 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 it's crazy. But you know, again, like that's, and like, that's, 
the exact style of basketball that can beat a team like UConn, which is why I think it's going to be such an interesting matchup in the final four because UConn has, has absolutely dominated everybody they played. I do think they're going to beat Miami, but like if there was a team that could beat UConn, it's a team like Miami where the guards are insane. They do whatever they want. They don't really have a plan. They just make it work. Yeah, exactly right. All right, moving on to our next kind of, well, it's, it's kind of a college basketball segment in in its glory, I guess. It's like it's like, not... it's like follow up questions and like yeah. surf and like service level stuff, general reactions of like summarized things that we noticed throughout the tournament so far. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, we're going to go over the foul trouble problem that we've seen in March Madness. We've seen it kind of ex- exploited in this March Madness, especially. We've seen it in past Mars Madnesses too, especially with the big guys down low because they they are unfortunately the ones that rack up the most fouls. Um, but it's it's basically the foul trouble problem that we've seen this tournament, especially with guys like Drew Timmy, um, guys like Keontae Johnson. It, it like it it happens a lot, and we're kind of, we're gonna go over it a little bit. Um, Matt's also gonna talk about some non NBA stars that are returning. He's gonna make a case for why some guys that may not be a high draft pick in the NBA, why they should just return to their schools, even if it's their fifth or sixth year or whatever, why they should do that and why it's beneficial to do so because of all of the money that comes into college sports now. Um, and then the third one is kind of almost like it's, he kind of already mentioned it a little bit with his talk about Bomani Jones and and how he was, how Bomani Jones was making the argument to not make a bracket or not watch March Madness just because there's so many bad teams that play. Um, but he's getting proven wrong now with bad teams that are winning and all the mix-ups that are happening, all the good teams that are losing. So we're going to have a little bit of, of a talk about that. It won't last too long, but Matt's going to kind of take it away and then I'll, I'll react a little bit to each thing. Uh, so Matt, go ahead. Yeah. So on the foul trouble, um, I, I, this was just a, a pattern that I noticed mostly this past weekend. Um it started with Keontae Johnson at Kansas State. He's basically their second best player. He got he had four fouls, I think, with like 17 minutes. Or no, I think he got he got like two quick fouls in the beginning and sat on the bench for three minutes in the first half, got another foul before halftime, got his fourth foul with like 12 minutes remaining or something. And this was when it was a very close game still. And he spent the next like six minutes on the bench. And and similarly, um, you had obviously um Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, he picked up his fourth foul, I think 18 minutes left in the second half. And now, obviously, at that point, I think they were already losing by like 15 to, to UConn. We didn't even go over that game, by the way, but we don't really need to because UConn absolutely dominated and they won by like 28 points. Um, but yeah, same thing, though. Drew Timmy goes on the bench and, and then UConn basically takes the lead from like 15 to 30 within the span of, you know, six minutes while Drew Timmy was on the bench the whole time. And then even with Norchad O'Meara, who he's the big man for, for Miami early in the second half as well, got into foul trouble, had to sit on the bench for a while. They put him back in uh, with foul trouble and and he was able to kind of stay clean and, and obviously help this team to a victory. So I think it was, it was a positive impact there, but, but it just, it just kind of struck me that like, it's not like this in the NBA. And I, I realized that you want to add that kind of like nuance into the game to, to, to make it worth it to like foul at certain points and then not foul at other points. But Hayden's right. It just ends up being the big guys because they take the brunt of the, you know, physical altercations that occur at the rim. And so they're much more likely to get fouls called on. And it's like, the coach is like, okay, you got to call them out. And, and so I, and not again, I don't know what the solution is here. I just noticed that it's a problem and I think it may, needs to be addressed. 
I don't think that moving the foul out range to six fouls, because that's what it's in the NBA. You foul out at six fouls. But then again, the NBA games are 48 minutes and college games only 40 minutes. So it's like almost a whole less quarter of a game that you're playing in college to begin with. So I don't think you should have as many fouls because at that point, that would just encourage way more fouling than there are, than there already is. And so that, I don't think that would really work the best. Um, and then you kind of think of other solutions. You're like, all right, well, then don't foul as much. And it's like, okay, well, then you're just going to get, you know, you're going to let guys get easy shots or easy layups at the rim. Um, I, I don't know. I think probably the best solution would be for, I think, the coaches strategically. Like, they think it's this big idea where you all, oh, you got to save your guy if he, if he gets into foul trouble. When it's like, okay, in reality, like, play the guys, you know? Like, I, I think that would kind of be the biggest solution here is like, if, if it's a winner go home game and actually Nate Oates, I kind of, I kind of gave him a little crap early in the episode, kind of being like your, your strategy sucks, dude. Uh, but one thing he did do was during the San Diego state game when, you know, they're kind of down Brandon Miller, who's Alabama's best player. He got into foul trouble early on too. And, and, you know, they're talking to him on the sideline. I think that, you know, one of the reporters, sideline reporter, you know, went up to him. They're like, Hey, like we noticed you took out Brandon Miller, like, you know, for foul trouble or, you know, are you going to put him back or, you, no, no, sorry. It was, it was the other way around. He had already put them, put him back in. They were like, you know, what's your thought process on the decision to put Brandon Miller back in the game with foul trouble. And Nate Oates was basically like, Hey dude, this is a winner go home game. Like we're up against it. We're the number one overall seed. We got to win the tournament. Like if we lose the game, we lose the game. We're out. You know, this is the end of our season. Like we're not trying to preserve these guys for, you know, for, for 30 more games here. So I think he actually probably had the, the correct response. Now, obviously it didn't end up going well for Alabama because they still lost the game. But I think that that response is probably what I think coaches should, should think about more. Like, I think if, if Jerome Tang and Kansas state leaves in Keontae Johnson with four fouls, he probably adds another element to that game that could potentially, you know, lift Kansas state to a win over Florida Atlantic and, and be in the final four um, in terms of the ref refs calling all these fouls. I think they're pretty okay. I mean, obviously you had the Creighton situation, Creighton, San Diego state, but you know, beyond that, I think it was pretty equitable throughout the rest of the tournament. Sometimes I think the refs can let them play a little bit more. Like there doesn't have to be a call every time we're at the rim and there's like a, a guy that falls down. Cause it's like, that's what it's become is basically if someone drives to the rim and the defender falls on the ground, the ref automatically is making the decision. Okay. Did he set his feet? Did he not? Is it a charge? Is it a block? We're calling the foul regardless. Like it can just be a, a non-call. Um, but I think that, yeah, so I, I don't really know how to solve the problem. I just saw it as a problem. Uh, and, and I think that it's, it's, I don't know, I, like I said, I don't think you can really change the rules of the game, but I do think that there can be nuances in either the way that the refs call the fouls and, or the coach's decisions to be like, Hey, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. If you're Drew Timmy, maybe don't go after the guy as hard on defense. If you're the other four players that are on the court with Drew Timmy, help them out a little bit, right? Like if you have fouls to give, you can give those fouls and, and, you know, and, and that way your, your, your most important player can be on the field or be on the court, uh, you know, longer than, than instead of just sitting on the bench and watching this game, like you got to think about it too. Like a lot of these guys, this is the most important game, potentially the last game of their college careers. And they're watching from the bench for most of it. And it's like, that's just not, I don't know. That's not fun for me as a viewer. That's not fun for definitely not fun for them as the player who's trying to win this game. So uh, I don't know. That was just something I noticed. And, and I feel like can, I don't really know how to improve it. I just think that it, it's, it's, it's a problem. And I, I hope that we're able to kind of do something about it so that in the future, we don't see the biggest stars of these teams end up on the bench watching their teams lose for the last 12 minutes of a game. Yeah. I think you're completely right. You didn't, I, you said everything that I was going to say. I don't, I don't really have a solution for it either. It's, like you said, really the only solution that is feasible is to, is to increase it to six fouls and then you foul out. But 
again, that kind of just gives reason for the refs to call more fouls at that point. And we don't really need that in college basketball anymore. So I don't think that it's the, it's the refs really either per se. Uh, like Matt said, I kind of have the same opinion. Like they're calling when there is contact and they're deciding whether it is a charge or, or a block or whether, right. Whether he did touch his hand while he was going up for the shot. It's an aggressive game. It's become a, 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 even more aggressive than it was, I think, um, especially at the college level. So it's like you you can't really diagnose it in any way. You kind of just have to sit there and say, well, this is a factor that goes into me picking my bracket. <laughs> Teams I get into foul trouble, they are not typically going to do well. But uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But yeah, for on a real note, like for the teams themselves, it, it doesn't really – there isn't really much of a fix. I don't think that we can – uh, you know, yeah, straight up diagnose it right now. So it's just kind of get, it's, it's going to be what it'll be. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. The next thing, like I mentioned was just kind of non NBA stars returning to their, to, to play either play at another team or play at their respective teams. Drew Timmy still hasn't made a decision. Uh, and then Caleb love made the decision today to stay in college basketball, but hit the transfer portal. So he's not staying at North Carolina anymore. I don't really blame him. Um, and yeah, but the, the, essentially the argument here is you stay in college because you're making a lot of money still with NIL deals. I think Drew Timmy got an NIL deal with Pringles because of the mustache man thing that they have on their logo, which is pretty cool. Also, I think Ben Vanderplas for UVA, the guy that got hurt that didn't play in the tournament. I think he also has a NIL deal with Pringles, which is pretty cool, uh, because of his mustache, but yeah, I totally get it. Matt pointed this out. I'm sitting here and my initial reaction, my only reaction to it is like, I totally get staying in college. I mean, we joke about it a lot. Like I, me and my friends joke about um, guys like Kia Clark on UVA. Again, I'm using, I'm using UVA examples because I know them best, but guys like Kia Clark who he'll, he'll he'll probably go play overseas or something like that. But my friends and I joke, we're like, okay, it's your fifth year or your sixth year, like go get a job. Um, But, and it sounds, it sounds bad, but it's like, it's kind of true, dude. Like at some point you got to leave college, but then again, if, if you have eligibility still and you are gaining money, it's like, well, I can't really say anything to Kia Clark because he's making more money than me. So um, I guess, I guess that's my reaction to it. That's kind of my take on it. Matt, what do you think? Well, the biggest one was Armando Baycott. I mean, he, he kind of started this whole, he gave me the idea actually for this topic. And then obviously with the, with the way that March Madness has proceeded, we kind of saw other players there in the same situation, but he came out and announced, he's like, I'm going back to college. I'm going back to school. Um, He's I think still going to stay at UNC, which whether that's for better or worse, I guess we'll kind of have to see in, in, you know, next year when it, when it comes around, but, but right. I think it's just, it's one of those things where, and it used to be that the best college players were going to be the top NBA draft picks. So if you have a great year in college basketball, you go to the NBA, you're a top pick. That's, you know, you're, you're all good to go. But we already know the top two picks in this year's NBA draft are not going to be from college basketball teams. You have Victor Wembanyama who plays, you know, internationally. He's from France. And then Scoot Henderson who plays for, for the G League Ignite. So it's one of those situations where, like, if you're not going to be an NBA star, like, which, again, by the way that some of these guys play, you know, Armando Baycott's probably the, the best example of like, he's going to the NBA. He, he might not play significant minutes with anyone, but he's going to be drafted um, at some point. But Drew Timmy, like he's probably not going to be drafted by an NBA team. Adama Sonogo, the big guy for, for UConn, he has been the absolute rock of their team for this entire March Madness run, but his game just doesn't really fit the NBA. So it's one of those situations where like, all right, wouldn't you just rather stay at college where you're already a superstar? You can, you know, Obviously, if you don't win the championship this year, which for 
all but one team. Um, the, that's the case. You don't win the championship. Run it back next year. See what you can do. You know, right? Like I said, you're already a star on that team. You know that you're going to be able to, you know, kind of be be the the star of that team going forward. And hey, with NIL now, like you can make millions of dollars a year, which is the same that you can do in the NBA. So if you're not going to be a high, you know a lottery pick in the NBA, it honestly is probably more worth it to stay in college and and make either the same or more money, um, you know, while playing for your college team, which is probably not, I mean, it's not super stressful. You're not, you know, in a different city and and kind of getting used to the NBA life. And and yeah, so I don't know. I, I That would be my decision. Like if I was Drew Timmy, I would come back a year. I think that he said like in an interview or something, he came out and said, he was like, it just like the, my heart really isn't in it. Like playing college basketball for Gonzaga anymore. Uh, which, which again, I can totally understand. Like if that's your stance on it, if that's where you you end up is like, I don't really want to play college basketball anymore. And, and you can't kind of force your, your mind and your heart to kind of be in the same place there. Then that makes total sense. But I don't know, just from like logistically, if you know, you're not going to be a draft pick in the NBA and you're going to be have to, you know, struggling for contracts, you're going to be grinding the G league and maybe go overseas, right. You're playing in Latvia. Like, is that worth it? Or is it better to just like stay at the place where you're already a superstar, Next March Madness comes around. Your team's going to be there again. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's an argument to be had. I, like I said, if I was your Timmy, I'd be coming back. Um, we already see that Armando Baycott was one of the stars of college basketball. Anyway, they didn't even they didn't even make the tournament, and like this was like breaking news. Um, so I think for for that to be the case, like it might be worth it. I like I said, I would do it because um, you're you know you're not guaranteed multi million dollar contract with the NBA. Some of these guys are like I talked about Arkansas, like Nick Smith and Anthony Black. Like they had a great run you know they made it to the sweet 16 okay cool you're on arkansas like whatever but you know you're going to be a top 10 nba draft pick you're going to you know get that first contract and make a million you know a lot more money in your first year of the nba than you would if you would have stayed back in college for nil deals so it's a different situation there but yeah i mean for those guys who are kind of on the on the fence of like do i return do i go if you know you're not going to be a draft pick at all, especially, you know, not, not a top 20 or uh, like a first round guy, then I think it'd be more worth it to come to go back to college. I don't know. Hayden, what do you think on that top on that topic? Yeah, no, I, I kind of already gave my thoughts before you did. So that's, <laughs> that's that. But uh, do you want to get on this last topic or do you think you already kind of explained it? Enough? Yeah. I mean, I kind of did. I, I think that I just don't want to see any of it. Like, and you've already seen it where like, it's like, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who's seeing this because I'm really into this stuff. And so I, will do the research and, and kind of be in it a lot deeper than a lot of people. But from what I've seen, it's like, oh, well, you know, Final Four is going to have terrible ratings, even though this March Madness, like the first round, that Thursday and Friday games were the most watched March Madness of all time, like record-breaking TV ratings, which is great. Again, that means that people are watching this. Like from what, you know, Bomani Jones is being all, and again, I don't mean to call the guy out. I just, like, I love his podcast. Like I said, I've listened to him for six years. I love his podcast. It was just kind of like a turnoff to me when he said that. I'm like, like, it's it's almost like you're trying to be, Different. I don't know. You're, you're trying to be negative about something that is like a great event, like regardless of who you know or or, or what teams are in it. Um, but you're seeing that come across now with these Final Four teams, where nobody could have predicted what the, the Final Four that we have. It's the first time in, in you know the college basketball history that we didn't have a one seed reach the Elite Eight. It's the first time in college basketball history that we don't have a one seed, two seed, either three seed into the Final Four. And so here you are, right? But I think that because of the amount of storylines that have been built up, like I wouldn't be surprised if the TV numbers are great, but you have all these haters who are, just, and maybe they're just doing it for clicks. I don't know. But I just see a lot of these, a lot of people out here, like media people who are like, oh yeah, you know, the tournament's been great, but you know, RIP to these TV ratings because the final four is going to suck. And it's like, all right. I mean, sure. If you have UNC versus Duke in a final four game, like we did last year, and then Villanova, Kansas, like 
yeah, you, those TV ratings are going to be better simply because those basketball sit. I mean, those are basketball meccas. Like all those people are going to be watching regardless of who's playing. Uh, well, as long as their team's playing and, and you get to see who wins, but at the same time, like it goes on every year. And like I said, the event March madness, the, the, the brand, the occurrence, like it's bigger than what the teams are. It's bigger than the blue bloods. It's bigger than bigger than the coaches. So I think that, you know, I don't know. I just don't want, I don't want to see any more of this slander on the TV ratings, of the final four, just because there's some teams that we don't know. Hayden. You got yeah. Me? Yeah. Yeah. That would be bad. Um, anyway, we're going to, yeah, we're going to end off the episode for today. Thank you guys for listening. It was again, it was, I mean, the all do all these college basketball March madness episodes have been long. I mean, hour 15 plus we're talking, maybe not today. I'm looking at the time here. Probably not today. It's probably closer to like an hour 10 ish. Cause we had a little, a little bit of tech technical difficulty in the middle here. Cause I'm at, well, beginning because of Matt um which you guys will have noticed if you're if you listen to the beginning because if you're listening now you must have listened to you must have listened to the beginning so uh yes we're gonna end it off for today thank you guys for listening we will be back like I said most likely next week because I think I'm going out of town this weekend which means I won't have time Thursday through Sunday to get it done I'm trying to have as much fun as I can here in college so uh it's affecting podcasts a little bit but again Sadly enough, uh, I'm not putting this podcast in front of a lot of things because we don't make money off of it yet. Hopefully we will soon. But (laughs) if we do start making money off of it, I will start making it uh, more of a priority. And obviously it'll become more of I I still love doing it. It's just going to become more of a priority for me once we once we start making money, once we. Well, and even before, like I, I again we've been in crazy situations. I've yeah. moved like three times in the past year and a half. Um, Hayden's obviously, like he said, is, is kind of in the middle of college and, and enjoying his upperclassmen years. Once I I'm actually moving this weekend, like this Saturday and next Saturday. So like these next two weekends, um, once I'm in the same place all the time, I'll have a desk and a computer at all times that I can work off of. Uh, and I have access to the recording software and, and, you know, and, and the Twitter and all that. Um, I'm going to kind of get everything back together in terms of doing multiple episodes a week. Cause that's what we notice is that the podcast does way better when yeah. the more episodes that we have. So even if it's like a, even if it's, you know, me and Hayden sit down on a Monday night and we record for an hour and a half and we split, split that up into two episodes per week. Uh, you know, we record one and then, and we kind of just record it for the, you know, for the, for later in the week, if we do one recording session then, or if we do one hour long episode, then I do like a shorter 30 minute one later in the week. Um, we'll kind of get it back to a, a steady enough pace to kind of, get the brand out there a little bit more. Cause that's obviously, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Hayden. I'm just saying like, we're not going to make money off it if we don't actually put the work in to do, to get there. No, yeah. So that's yeah. where I think we should focus on next. Right. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of meant like start making money hopefully after I'm out of college. Like I don't, I don't really plan on making money while I'm in college um, on this podcast, but we're going to continue it again for who knows how long because we love doing it and it's yeah it's something we enjoy um it's something that that i still make time for in my schedule even though it's 9 19 p.m right now and i still have homework to do tonight but i put this podcast i knew we were going to do it today i put this podcast first i've done some other stuff today too class work everything um but i'm, I'm still still on the grind probably gonna be working until midnight so um you guys be thankful and no, i'm kidding um anyway yeah way too long of an of a of a lasting goodbye here so uh i'm just gonna say bye and we'll catch you next week